This will begin part two of our conversation with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, host of the Locked NBA podcast, the Locked NBA Draft podcast. Richard Stamen breaks it all down from a national perspective of the Summer League, who stood out, who shined in Summer League. Also, talking about Poku and Shea and Dort and Teo and all the developmental plans for the Thunder entering this season. A lot to dive into today. Let's get started on Locked on Thunder, your daily home for Thunder basketball, Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on Locked On Thunder Podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rutherford Styles, joined, of course, by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. And Richard, for our first topic outside of the Thunder, I got to ask you about the Summer League sensation, a Thunder legend, somebody who Thunder fans are in love with. Last year, without Summer League, just by pure pictures of him in training camp, didn't get to watch training camp, didn't get to watch the practices, didn't get to watch Summer League. These fans just saw pictures of him and thought he was legit. They sent me thousands of DMs, mentioned me multiple times asking how this player can get on the Thunder roster. It didn't work out. He goes to Summer League and just balls out. Omar, you're at seven. After playing with the blue last year in the bubble, is he a legit player? Or is this simply just a gimmicky player and it's a fun little summer league story and he gets put onto the heat roster and we'll kind of laugh at it right now, laugh at it in the future, or does he have a legitimate chance to be an NBA player and an NBA seven footer at 23 years old? I don't think he's going to be like a rotation player. Uh, I had someone before the draft last year tell me that team saw him as like a Vucevic type. So there is actually like hope in the league that he can turn into something I'm not too confident in that actually happening. I think he's closer just to summer league sensation who he'll put up great numbers in the G league and he'll get tries in the NBA, but his defense is putrid to say the least. Um, It's, it's hard when you're a center like that. He's a great rebounder, obviously really skilled within the three point line. I, I think he's uh, probably going to be though. One of the guys who you're just like, wow, this guy can ball, but can he actually play in the NBA? Those are two different questions. Yeah, I don't think that he can play in the NBA. I think he's going to be kind of a, a more G League player, just a fun player for each fan base that he goes to, kind of rally around. I just found it funny that you know that he was such a talked about person from training camp last year, and now he actually does get his shot, and he did most of his damage in that Utah summer league when the Heat were in that. Marcus Garrett for the for the uh, Heat also played pretty well at 22 years old. Uh, I like Marcus Garrett. Is there is a team going to come in and swoop him up for a two way deal? You think, or is he going to be a straight up a straight up G League guy? I think he should get a two way. His offense was so much better than I had ever seen him be at Kansas, and he's one of the best defenders in the entire like from this last four years. Every single year, he was one of the best defenders. Every time you know he stepped on the floor, he pretty much earned all defense every year, uh, whether he actually had name for it or not. So his defense is there. He can lead, he can be a lead ball handler in very limited spurts. I think he gets it two way. Uh, he deserves it. I, I think someone will give it to him. 
who was your biggest kind of star from summer league? Because uh, to me, it was Davian Mitchell and not because like anyone questioned his talent level, uh, but to see him just play that type of defense in uh, play that way in the summer league, it really calmed some nerves. I think for most people, including myself of him playing with Fox and Halliburton together, like the, oh, that trio meshing together, I think works if you can play the way he played in summer league. So he was a big kind of uh, riser for me. I love the fact that we saw James Booknight uh, pass the ball at a respectable clip the way that we all knew he could, and people kind of were way overreacting to that in college. And now, oh, look, he's with a better you know team in a better spacing situation, and he's able to actually look efficient at passing the basketball. Amazing how that works out. But I think that David Mitchell really stole the show at Summer League. But who's your top player uh, for Summer League? Yeah, I mean, Davion kind of proved defense wins championships in summer league. Uh, no, I liked, I liked that one too. Um, he definitely is one of the guys that had come to mind. Another one that really stood out, but I don't even know if he got the all summer league honors was Chris Duarte. I know he had a big game against Oklahoma City, just looked like a pro. And then your guy, Cam Thomas. I mean, how can you not say him? Like he was just ridiculous. I, I just, I think that a lot of teams are going to kick themselves for passing up on Cam Thomas. And, uh, I'm I'm fascinated by how he fits in Brooklyn. Uh, I I wonder how they're going to find him minutes because I think that you're gonna are gonna have to. But when you look at you know Kevin Durant locking himself into a long term deal, and you would assume that Harden and Kyrie will eventually do the same. Uh, whenever you pay those guys big money, you need cheap, controllable players that can make an impact. And Cam Thomas will be that. Maybe not this year, but in the future. Whenever you're really paying those guys and you and you're struggling for money, you're of course always going to find guys to come in on the vet minimum. But you're also going to need controllable pieces like Cam Thomas, who can make a big, big impact in winning titles. And, and we saw his impact in this in this summer league. So I like that pick as well. Uh, were there any big disappointments for you about this summer league? You know, there was really nobody that stood out. I, I really didn't even look for disappointments. I don't really think actually one that came to mind was Teo because I just wanted him to be such a good finisher. But other than that, there wasn't anyone who like, who stood out just so negatively that I didn't like, I, I, I just, I, am I missing someone? It feels weird to say that. That doesn't, yeah, I think like that in summer tough. league, yeah, that, that was a kind of an unfair question. I think in summer league that like, you kind of like your disappointments come from just you know, your overall uh, perception of the team. Just like we mentioned Jalen Horde earlier, like Jalen Horde is a disappointment for like thunder fans, maybe, but like nationally, I don't know that anyone even knows who Jalen Horde is. So yeah. I do think that, that uh, none of the, none of the top guys really disappointed to me. Like all everyone, and that rookie class at the very top, uh, and even that first round for the most part, really panned out and really uh, played well to where now there's not really any disappointments because uh, if you're not in the first round, you can't really be called a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, that's a, now that you say that as a team, there was one team that very much so disappointed me um, that may or may not be a team in North Texas. But that, that's the only thing I can think of as disappointment now that you bring that up. Yeah, you, you got to talk about the Mavs real quick because they have a lot of guys who directly impact the Thunder. I mean, Tarlick Jones worked out with the Thunder. Hunt worked out with the Thunder. EJ worked out with the Thunder. And it, on paper, Tyrell Terry, Josh Green, Carlick Jones, Nate Hinton, Hunt, EJ, that should be a good summer league roster, and they just weren't. Yeah, I mean, they had some good guys. I like Devontae, who I loved for on Hunt. I think he was actually the best Mav in the summer league. Nate Hennon was not good compared to what he should have been. He had a game where he had one point 
um, on O of seven shooting. Like that's just unacceptable when you're on a two way. I don't care what your role is. Even though he had six assists, he also had like five turnovers. Carweek Jones, I kind of expected a little bit more. It sucked not to see Josh Green show out and get to play, but Tyrell Terry was actually probably the very best. But even then he kind of struggled and you could tell, I mean, the gap between summer league, what he was doing there doesn't always translate. I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at betonline.ag. But online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action because it's that time of year again, folks, where more people bet than ever before because all eyes now turn to football. Teams are back on the gridiron starting the football season. Always bet with betonline.ag, your number one spot for pro and college football action this season. You get the latest odds, updated odds, info, everything you need at betonline.ag, including prop bets, and contests, which includes a half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and a $200,000 NFL survivor contest open right now at betonline.ag. So head over there right now to betonline.ag, sign today, and whenever you sign today, you're going to receive a 100%, a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. That is if you make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. If you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. It's could not get better than that at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the best way to bet on every single sport, every single season, from football, basketball, baseball, boxing, right up to horse racing. Do not wait to take advantage of this great offer right now for the 2021 NFL season and NBA season and so much more at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline your online sportbook experts for that 100% welcome bonus, go to betonline.ag. Go there right now, betonline.ag, and use our code locked on. Betonline.ag, our code locked on, 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you go do that right now, betonline.ag. Uh, I'm interested in what happens with Hunt, and like I think that he should get an NBA deal. Uh, but yep. is that going to be in Dallas, you think? Uh, I My hope is that they can get him, somehow stash him in the G League and then do something for him next year. Because I do think that a year of polish there will help a lot. Just consistency. It's not anything like in skill-wise he needs to work on. But he also, like, the Mavs roster was terrible because there's one point guard. One true point guard, which was Tyrell Terry. And even then, he was like an okay point guard. You mentioned Tyrell Terry. What what's the percent chance that he's available to be had as kind of a, a toss into a trade? You mentioned how uh, the point guard depth lacks. Has he done enough to kind of be a rotational piece now for Jason Kidd? Obviously we're not sure how Kidd's going to value anybody on this roster besides Luca, because uh, this is first year as a head coach, but I just, I love Tyler Terry's skills. So I think he'd be a really good basketball player. He just has not gotten the opportunity yet to show that because of the personal matters last year. And of course, Rick Carlisle and all his stick with rookies. So, what is your feeling now heading into year two with Tyrell Terry? I don't think he's part of the immediate future. I still think they hold out hope for him, but anything they get from him this year is a bonus. I mean, he missed his rookie years the way I look at it. So I, I think they're still going to be patient, but they're also willing to part with him if that's what it takes to get someone better. And then real quick, EJ Uno. EJ Uno has such a fascinating skill set at six, uh, six eleven. Did he do enough to at least stick around in the G League and try to foster some of that skill? Uh, G League, yes. I really just think he was kind of proof that, I mean, it's small sample size, but like the idea of him was really cool. The actual product 
he needs <laughs> the the talent gap was apparent. You're right. You're you're right there. I think that in a small, you know, it's unfair, kind of, but when you're somebody from an AIA and and you get your opportunity, you you have all the pressure in the world on you because you're only going to get a small sample size. You know, Josh Giddy or Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green, they can fail for three years and still get that fourth year and still get that fifth year and still get that sixth year because you've invested so much into them. For an undrafted NAIA guy, you're going to get five games and, and you better play well in those five games or else you might not get another set of five games. You might not get another game, period. So small sample size, but but that's the life of a player like EJ and he had to show up and he didn't show up. And I, and I hope that he has enough to, to be able to play in the G League, uh, but that was a very bad showing and, and for a player who needed to have a great one. Yeah, then I mean, he'll get chances. He's still far away and he's raw, but it was just a underwhelming welcome to the league. Well, another welcome to the league moment was Leangelo Ball, OKC Blue legend, signed there, and then the pandemic hit and never got to play a game for the OKC Blue. And then... He was on the training camp roster-ish, and it just was a wild time with Angelo Ball. He played very well, though, for Charlotte. Was it was it more of a summer league? Here's here's Angelo Ball, here's Lonzo. I should say here's Lamelo on the sidelines, hyping him up. And was it more of like a a feel good story, or do you think that Angelo Ball could have a future in the NBA? No, it's a feel good story. I'm sorry. There's just look. I I never have been a fan of the Ball family. I'll just preface that right now uh i love lamello i am a huge fan of his game i think Lonzo is a good player who will stick around for a while one of the both of them two of the smartest players in the league but leangelo was only there because of his brother i know he hit some shots but a lot of them were open looks uncontested i i just how does that translate has I'd, I'd be very surprised if he ever plays one meaningful minute that isn't garbage time or the last game of the season and i mean that with all respect because i know he's probably worked his ass off to get to even summer league and it's not easy but I just, if his last name was anything other than Ball, he's probably not even in summer league this year. So you're just saying Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte Swarm legend or wherever they play, Greensboro Swarm legend, uh, Leangelo Ball. And you're right. I mean, it's easy to, to talk about the storyline in a kind of comedic way, but it is truly hard for, for the path that Leangelo decided to take. Uh, I mean, he tries modeling, he tries these other off-the-court adventures, where he's out of basketball, and then to still stay in basketball shape and, and and stay in at least NBA caliber shape to play in the NBA G League, it's very hard. It takes a lot of work. And so he put the work in. You can tell he was serious about this comeback, and it was not, for him, a gimmick. But there's just there's just not enough spots in the NBA to go around. And Leangelo just can't really have one of those spots that are so precious uh, to you know to this league and to this team You know, for Charlotte. I will say, though, Charlotte had one of the most fun uh, summer league teams because of Kai Jones, who played very well. And I want to talk about two big men on the other side, Kai Jones and Isaiah Jackson, and then talk more about this rookie class as a whole, all coming up. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. We're talking with Richard Stamen at Mass Draft on Twitter. Richard, Kai Jones had about five highlight dunks a game, it felt like. He was high flying as always, but looking at his overall game, how confident are you in his NBA ability uh, versus just being a highlight player that makes flashes here and there, uh, but can't really stick on the floor. I was impressed with Kai Jones, but what are your feelings about his summer league? Yeah, I cooled off on him as the draft came closer. I, I just understand where the risk comes from. His basketball IQ was pretty low and 
while the physical tools and shooting are there, it is cool. What else can he do? I love his highlights though. Um, but yeah, I mean, my worry is that exact thing that he's going to be good for a highlight, but does he actually make the team better? And how soon does that come? And can teams afford to be patient? All of it is just a weird mix of things. And I don't know what to make of them. So I, I just give you two options here. You can either have Kai Jones right now in his rookie deal or Trey Mann right now in his rookie deal. Who are you picking? <sighs> uh, well, I did have Trey Mann higher, so I feel like I'm not going to change that over summer week. I'll, I'll stick with Trey Mann. Now, I, I do want to talk about Isaiah Jackson. And, and you mentioned the small sample size that summer league, of course, is. And we all know how much of a small sample size it is. I mean, we, it feels like it just started. It's already over. We didn't get to watch Josh Giddy play. But Isaiah Jackson, 19 years old out of Kentucky, he's proved me wrong so far. I was not a believer in his game expanding in the NBA. I was not a believer of him being a more space-to-floor big, or uh, I was not a believer of him being anything other than Nerlens Noel. And he flashed more than just being Nerlens Noel in the summer league. Will that translate to the NBA? Who knows? But I was impressed with Isaiah Jackson. What did you think about his game? Yeah, one thing that stood out for me was the fact that he was hitting jump shots again. I tweeted something, I think it was the week before the draft, where he had a hidden ability to hit jumpers, especially off the dribble. And he did that. He took almost, I think, almost 10, like something, 7, 10 jumpers off the dribble in summer league. And I thought that was really impressive. It's nice to see he had as many threes as Kai Jones did in summer league. So there's a lot of promise in him spacing the floor. And I do think that while Carlisle has a bad reputation of working with rookies, I think Isaiah Jackson is going to show that that reputation wasn't all his fault. And it will be quick too. I think he's actually going to become a, and I know they have a ton of bigs, but when he plays, I think he'll actually be a good player, even year one. What is the deal with Kentucky and not putting their players on display? Like I, I just, I couldn't get over how much of a disdain I had for Isaiah Jackson, especially as reports were swirling that the Thunder promised him in the draft, I just didn't like his game at all. And I didn't see it translating to the NBA as a modern big. And it looks like it very well could with what we saw in summer league. He obviously has to do this in a bigger sample size, but so far I look wrong on Isaiah Jackson and I'm happy to be wrong. Cause that means that his career is going to be a very successful one with this new and developed skill set. But I want to let, I want you to start tampering my expectations. You mentioned how you don't want to change a lot of things over summer league and how, you know, not a, a ton of these late players kind of stood out to you. I want to be the optimistic one. I want to give everybody a chance to play in the NBA. And I want you to take these names I'm going to give you and calm me down on them. Or if you believe with me too, hype me up on them because the first one we're starting out with is use Pons because he reminds me of an actually talented Deontay Burton. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that last sentence, uh, but I, I was actually unlocked on Grizzlies yesterday about this. And I just, I don't know if, I don't know if he can stick. He needs the jump shot. It was, if he didn't touch the ball in transition, he's a black hole on offense. And while he is just unword, there's no words, no words to describe how good he is on defense. I don't know. Can he actually stick? I have some, uh, I didn't move my needle for him at all over summer league personally. I want to tell you right now, but good friends over at rockauto.com, rockauto.com is a family owned business serving auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts that your car would ever need. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. I'm a single thing about cars, but I don't have to know anything about cars. 
All I have to know with their very easy to navigate website is my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. It's that simple. It's that easy. One of the best parts about rockauto.com is that I can feel comfortable. Everyone wants to feel comfortable. Whenever I go to a brick and mortar store, I do not feel comfortable because they know I know nothing about cars. They can upcharge me. They can give me any price point they want to. And I'm just a schmuck that buys into it and gives them my money. They can take advantage of my lack of knowledge. But at rockauto.com, it's a website. They don't know my knowledge. They don't know what I know and don't know. So it's one fair price for everybody. Whether you're buying in bulk or just buying a pair of windshield wipers, they have it all for a great price with all the makes and models and brands that you could ever want at rockauto.com. So go there right now. Whenever they ask you, hey, how did you hear about us? You can tell them that Locked On sent you. Tell them Locked On sent you and the how did you hear about us box and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, low parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you and the how did you hear about us box and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com. What to say right now? Better good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar with all of their great flavors, including coconut, cherry barcia, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My favorite flavor is, of course, the great flavor of cookies and cream. You should buy that right now. It's incredible. It tastes like a candy bar. It's awesome. However, if you do not want to take my advice, that's okay. Order a mixed box. The mixed box gives you two of every flavor I just named off. You get to try all of those flavors. And then you can reorder the one you love the most. It's awesome. It's incredible. Make sure you go right now to BuiltBar.com. Most bars have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. They're amazing flavors. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. They're great in the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to billboard.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. Billboard.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Now, I am a firm believer now in Jalen Johnson being a starting level or, you know, of course, starting a subjective because it all depends on roster construction and who's in front of you and who's behind you, but a starting caliber type of player after just summer league. Am I crazy or am I on the right path? No, I think you're on the right path. Jalen Johnson's, I mean, I, I don't remember if we talked about it on here, but one of my most used draft sentences this year was Jalen Johnson as a top three upside. He had two of the best games in college basketball or of any prospect at any location in the world where he had almost a five by five against Pitt, sure it was against Coppin State the next one, but he had 21, 19 or 19, 19 with five assists and uh, four blocks or something like that. Like that, that upside is very attainable. And the fact that he looked so smooth and effortless almost with uh, in summer league, like I think he translates. I, I would, I would, that would be one of the very few guys who I would say, okay, you know what? I can be sold that his game translates. Sharif Cooper is going to make a ton of people kick themselves for not drafting him. Yeah, I mean, yes, just simply because, like, the fact that 
he is not, there's no chance he's what 48th or 49th, whatever pick he was. There's no way in a redraft he even goes after like 35. Even if he completely busts, he's better than the 35th best player from the draft. So that is an automatic yes. It just depends on how hard they kick themselves. Because I think he could be a he he could be an incredible gamble. And even in his low end, I just again I don't see it being that bad. Anthony Shingoon was overhyped, yes or no? No. Sorry. I know I'm on a Thunder podcast, but no. <laughs> You think that everything that he did in summer league was kind of legitimate and he deserves the, the hype. I mean, he did the same stuff he was doing in Europe. So I just, there, nothing changed for me is all for him. Would, would you have made that trade? If you were Sam, if you were Sam Presti, if, if I made you the new Thunder GM that night, would you have made that trade? Probably not. But it's also one of those things where like, I, I do like Shingun a lot, but how hard are you going to kick yourself? Because I really just, I'm very patient with this stuff. And I think that, um, you know, I, I just don't think you can judge it until we see what that pick turns into, like what, a, what that all turns into. You know, with those two Thunder picks turn into, what if, what if that is the difference in getting a guy like Bradley Beal or if it's the difference of getting a player better than Shingun? Cause you know, you can say, Oh, they got two mid first round picks. None of it matters. Shingun was picked 16th. So like we're, we're talking about guys who have been picked in that range anyway. Uh, I, I probably would have kept Shingun. I don't really think it really matters. I think it was kind of a, a combination of things where you, your top guys are out or not playing well in terms of box score, like Trey Mann wasn't, or, you know, and you traded away Shingun. Uh, did the Thunder make a mistake in passing up Jonathan Kaminga, though? I mean, because Kaminga played well in Summer League. Are they going to wish they had Kaminga over Giddy, or do you believe in Giddy? I mean, Giddy's going to be good. Kuminga was the riskier player, although I did have Kuminga higher. Too early to say. Too early to say. Do, do you do you have any new feelings on Kuminga? Because for for me, Kuminga was a big risk, and, and you know how much I overrated these G League players. And and right now, Jalen Green's making me look pretty good. Uh, but you know that I was in on them early, and I was I was in love with them. Um, to me, Kuminga in in a small some of the example size at least show that in a good organization like the Warriors or the Thunder, you know, hypothetically, or the, or the Raptors, hypothetically, wherever a good organization is, if, as long as he stays in a good organization, it's like a traded to, say, the Kings or the Timberwolves or whatever, if he stays in a good organization, whenever they trade him or if they keep him, he's going to be a good player. Because to me, he just showed uh, that he has that ability as long as nobody ruins it. And I, I do not think that the Thunder would have ruined it. And I do not believe that the Warriors are going to ruin it. So... To me, it changed in that aspect of like there, there is not a path for him to bust had the Thunder taken him uh, because the Thunder are such a good organization and, that, and are good at developing, developing players. And so that might change the way that you view that, that draft selection. Did that change for you at all? Are you more confident in his ability to stick around or are you still not sold because of how realistic it is to believe that he could get traded to one of these bad organizations and then you're, we're kind of up in the air again? Yeah, I'm honestly nothing changed. The only thing that changed was I thought his shot looked a little bit worse somehow than in the G League. I thought in the G League it was smooth. It felt more natural. And to me, it just looked like he was in the middle of reworking it. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him anyways, is he probably needed to rework it one way or another. That's really the only takeaway I had. I don't think, I, I think by the time the Warriors would trade him, as, as long as it's not this year, I don't think the development will really hurt him a lot. So I, I just think... He just needs to be kind of have the Warriors don't need to play him. Be patient. They got Moses Moody. That was the better player for them anyways. 
So I, I don't think Kuminga is really much of a concern for them. You're a GM for the Thunder on draft night. Would you have rather reached for Josh, Josh Kitty or reached for Moses Moody? Moses Moody. I would have taken Moses Moody as, as early as seven. So I wouldn't have thought much about it going one spot before. Why do we treat Moses Moody as if he's a 21-year-old? He's 19 years old. He's, he's not going to be 20 until the end of May, which is the end of his rookie season. Josh Giddy would be 19 in, all, in October. So they're, gonna, they're both going to spend their entire rookie season as 19-year-olds. I, I just don't get why the perception of, of Moses Moody was that of, of a guy lacking upside. Uh, that always confused me for some circles uh, to, to kind of put that out there about Moses Moody. Uh, you know, a lot of Thunder fans love Moses Moody, so I totally get that. It, it's tough to make these uh, kind of discussions without seeing Josh Giddy play. Um, I like Josh Giddy still, but of course I can understand the frustration. I'm not getting to see your prize possession after that tanking season and, and everybody else. You know, you, you like that SpongeBob meme of Squidward watching you know, <laughs> Patrick and SpongeBob running down there and he's locked in his room up, up there. You don't get to see your guy. You got to wait for a long time and you're going to have to wait for a long, long time because we have to wait for Poker to develop and Josh to develop. But yeah, I can see the argument for Moses Moody for sure. Uh, let's end it though on some optimistic thunder talk. Let's, let's do some propaganda here to leave you on your happy Friday. You look at this team and everybody's kind of down right now because you see Shingun playing well. And even Kaminga playing well, having the, the new nickname that I want to repeat on this podcast that trends on Twitter and every plays. And you see that everyone else's rookie is playing well. And your top two guys, you know, your first round picks did not play well or were hurt in summer league. And then sure. I mean, Jerry looks like a rotational player and Wiggins looks like a guy who could be an, an, an end of the bench guy in the NBA. And sure. Damn Alvon played decently to be a, you know, kind of a backup point guard. But that's not what you want to see. That's not the, that's not the big uh, celebration that you want to have uh, after that last season while other teams get to live out that dream. Let's close our eyes and act like Josh Giddy played and played well. Give us some optimism around Josh Giddy. What, what can he do? How can he fit? Uh, and kind of what's his upside? Let's act as though everything went perfectly. The Thunder have done it again. They reached on a player that everyone thought was a reach, and then they turned him into his highest potential ceiling. What does that look like for Josh Giddy? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing is you found a perfect backcourt mate next to Shea Gilders Alexander, where he can handle the ball. He can play off ball because I've, I truly believe in that spot up shooting. I don't know if the movement shooting ever comes along, but that's a bonus. Really his defense, he gets in better literal shape where he gets in stance and he's able to defend players that would go a long ways given his size and, he would immediately become versatile in the backcourt and then his finishing translates. So he probably ends up being like a 15, nine and something, however many rebounds you want to throw on there, where I genuinely think he could approach 10 assists per game. He can probably, he's easily north of six rebounds per game at the least. Like he just averaged 11, seven and seven in, in Australia. So I think you get another high level playmaker who can get, get his own, shot at the rim at the least can spot up playoff ball and defend a little bit, at least like at an average level. All right. That, that makes you feel a little better about the thunder, uh, you know, kind of draft selection here. Would you start Josh Giddy day one? No, I know that's bold for your number six pick. I, I think you let him be the bench general, uh, let him play a little bit without SGA, let it be like 20, 30 games and then start, 
mixing him in is what I would suggest. Interesting. I, I think that a lot of our fans want that start to happen day one. Uh, I can see in the season, we're not trying to win. I can see either way you know, you can make the case for what you just said of, of having him come off the bench. You can just say, Hey, let's get him thrown into the fire and playing with a guard like SGA who he's never played with before in his entire, entire basketball career. Ultimately it doesn't really matter because they'll still play together a ton, no matter where he starts the game at starters is kind of more for show and PA than anything else. It's not that realistic or that, or that kind of meaningful. Uh, but I think that you're right. I think you start him on the bench at least 10, 15, 20 games. And then maybe by December or January, he's starting in the, in the NBA. Would you send him to the G league at all? Like at all, would you just keep him in the NBA all season long? Like they'd like to do with Teo or would you go the Poku route and put him in the G league for a little bit? The Poku route. I think you let him get some, I, I actually not even either. If you had to do one or the other, I mean, it's, I don't think you can afford to put your number six player there. I thought, I think he's also going to be too good for that. He's in that weird middle ground where he's like not going to be a great rookie this first year, but also way too good for the G league. I think you let him grind it out in the NBA, but if you had to choose one way or another, like, I mean, I, I don't think it would hurt, you know, ego wise, he would never do it probably just because like, it's not anything against Giddy himself. It's just how many number six picks go to the G league. Like if that happens, it's bad. Even Mo Bamba, who I've been very vocal about as a Magic fan. He's been terrible. Uh, a former number six pick has never even sniffed the G League. So I don't think something like that would happen. I do think you just let him like play through his mistakes. He's You have nothing to lose except losing, which like is completely fine given the timeline right now. Uh, yeah, I think that the G League route is unrealistic for that top 10, top six pick in, in Josh Getty. Even if it could help him how much could it help him because at the end of the day even if he just dominates the g league what's what's the real benefit there what what ego aside ego reputation aside it's a blank sheet and you just put giddy in the g league nobody even knows about it it's a, it's a mythical world where there's no coverage there's no social media nobody knows he's in the g league he's just there and he's dominating he's playing well what does that give to giddy besides maybe confidence is that kind of the only thing you look for for a player of his caliber in the g league yeah i mean I guess the best thing that could happen is you let him do everything he's bad at and he gets good at it. That's, that's the thing that comes to my mind. That, that's true. It is more of a kind of experiment, right? And, and with Poku, he didn't need that. He, Poku would experiment in the NBA. No problem. He, he had the all time confidence. If you have a guy who lacks confidence and you want him to try new things, there is a tool there for the G league, right? I mean, that's kind of what it's there for of like, Hey, go over here, uh, do whatever you want. Practice your behind-the-back passes. See what works, what doesn't work uh, in, in real time. And then we'll call you back up, and you can utilize that uh, kind of time period in the NBA. But but you're right. There's just not really a way that you send Giddy to the G League. I, I'd be stunned if Giddy plays in the, Giddy plays in the G League. Uh, dream scenario. What is the ideal lineup with the young players on this team? Um, not, not for this season because you don't really care about winning games, but just for the future because – you're hoping everybody pans out and obviously everybody won't pan out, but you're hoping that they will. And the thunder want to lean into positionless, positionless basketball. They have, I mean, giddy six, nine, they have all these lengthy tall players. You have SGA as a lock. He has to start no matter what happens. Then you have Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, Darius Baisley, Poku, right? You have a, a mixture of players there that have to fill in two, three, four, you're kind of lacking that center, that obvious center. It could be JRE even in the small ball world. 
But, you know, I don't, I don't think that your future starting centers on this roster right now. That's no big deal. How do you manage the wings? Like, like what to you would be the, the starting combo? Is, is Tail Malvon going to leap in there? Like, what to you looks like the Thunder in two years from now? Is it just simply Shea, Dort, Giddy, Poku, and Baisley come off the bench? Or do you have to find a way to put Baisley in there? Like, there starts to become a very interesting question towards the end of that line. I think you have it, it's Dort and someone that hasn't even been drafted yet. I think that's the goal of next year is getting a wing as your corner as another like completing the building blocks. That's the last building block they need is a wing, I think. And I think that again, the starters don't really mean that much. It's more about who you close with. And that closing lineup will for sure include Dort's defense and Shea's offensive production. And then you see who takes the leap. Will Josh Giddy take a leap? Will Poku take a leap? Will Baisley take a leap? Will Baisley even be on this roster? Like we, you just kind of fill out the rest of that roster and, and in due time. But to me, the only locks for starting for closing, which is what I care about more, is Shea and Dort. Is there anyone else for you that's a lock to close games? I mean, I think Poku's going to get there pretty quickly. See, you are in love with Poku, and that's what I love to hear because we need more Poku propaganda. We need more guys buying into Poku nationally. So I really appreciate that. Are you somebody who believes that Poku can be a superstar? Um, not superstar, but I do think he could, I think he has a very good chance of making an all-star game. Oh my gosh, Richard, you're going to give me a heart attack. Be still my heart. Poku in the all-star game. That would be must watch TV. That'd be more important than watching LeBron in the all-star game. Poku would not give a damn about who's on that court. He would think he's the very best player in the all-star game. And it's going to make for some must-watch TV. Where does he get drafted? Who drafts Poku in the year 2026? Is LeBron still a captain? Is it LeBron versus Giannis for the 27,000th time? Oh, my gosh. I'm just – I'm excited about that now. And and can we find different events for him to go into? Can he be in the skills competition? Is, is, yeah. is it still guard versus big? Can he be in the skill competition? Can he be you know in the three-point contest somehow? Like, oh, my gosh. I'm excited now. Just thinking of the hey. possibilities. Skills competition would be, oh, I need it. At the least, I think he'll make that one day. The skills comp would be kind of fun, though, because I, I think he can knock down a half-court shot. Like, I think he can do the little dribbling and the little passing and the layups, and then knock down a half-court shot, boom, he's in there. Oh, my gosh. And I think he'd do it. I think that he just wants to be part of the action, wants to be part of the kind of the circus of the NBA. I think if they ever invited him, he'd do it. And the league needs to take advantage of what Poku can bring personality-wise. He's so awesome, and he's so fun. There should be a, a separate all-star game of just fun players, like the fun game where it's just like, oh, here's Poku, here's Yort 7, here's all these fun random <laughs> players who might be good, might be terrible, who knows, just play a game. I'd watch that. I mean, maybe I'm just an NBA junkie who needs a life, but I'd watch that. Hey, get Glenn Rice Jr. in there too, former NBA. Here's EJ uh, Uno. Yeah, yeah, get them all in there. All the hype guys. <laughs> I would totally watch that. I, and that might say more about my social life than anything, but I'd totally watch that. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be opposed. So one, one last serious question, because I think that we can't end on the Poku all-star where maybe we should, and I'm just a bad host, who knows? Uh, but this roster right now, we now know the, we now know the picks that we didn't know a few months ago when we had this discussion. We now know uh, more of what the future looks like. Cause again, you're going to have, a Clippers pick that could be good, could be 
late first round. It could be anything you want it to be in your mind right now because of the Kawhi injury, which likely keeps him out all year long. If the Suns see any regression and become like a 21st overall pick team, that would be great for the Thunder as well. That that pick's only protected top 12, which I don't think that they're going to fall to. I think they're going to fall to maybe, if they fall, you know, of course, if they fall at all, they'll fall to like 21, 22, 23. Uh, but they're going to have some, some interesting picks here. Three first rounders, and I think that they might take all three of them. So somebody has to be gettable, right? Somebody has to be tradable for the Thunder. For you, who is that? Who are those untouchable pieces going into the year? And then we'll do this again after the year uh, to see who kind of rose their stock up. Is it only SGA or are there more players for you that are untouchable? Because to me, it's SGA and Poku because what he can, be- what he can become. And the rest kind of have a, have a price point, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think there's only two guys that you're truly like, unless you're getting, I don't even know who the best player available is. Like if you can get Damian Lillard, you might throw in, um, that that's probably the closest, like you, you would take any money, even then though, I think you want to hold on to Poku and SGA. I do think Poku would make some of that talks go a little bit smoother, but I would be hesitant to do that. I think outside of those two, everyone's available. Just like you said, a high price. Um, I think for the next three years, Josh Giddy is kind of untouchable, depending, like just based on how I project him to be, which is good. Um, you know, early on, I don't think he'll be anything special this year, but I think year two and year three, you'll see a jump. Outside of that, anyone's available. Yeah, and of course, I, I don't want them to trade Door. I want, I want to keep Door. I want to keep Giddy. I want to keep Poku. Keep Shea. That's what I'd want to keep. But untouchable, we're like, of course. Everyone technically is gettable because if you threw 27 picks at somebody, you might trade for SGA for, the, for that. Uh, but in general, for a realistic price that, that a team might give up, Poku and Shea to me are ungettable because of what Poku can become. If he can become a unicorn, you hold on to that. And, and the Thunder clearly believe that, that he can. They made it known last year they wanted him. Everyone in, the, in their mother knew they wanted him. They used it against the Thunder as the Mavericks did, and they forced the Thunder to trade up for him, and they did that. They love Poku. They're going to keep him. They believe in his development. They believe in what Richard's selling you, that he can be an all-star. Shea is already going to be a top 20, 25 player this year. He's an all-star caliber player already this year. Who are you going to get in return that's better than that? Because in a trade, you want at least Shea, and you really want better than Shea to give up Shea, especially if you inked him to this to this long-term deal with no opt-outs. So those two are clear untouchables. I'd want to keep Dort and Giddy. Other than that, though, while I want to keep, of course, everybody, man, Maldon, Baisley, Budden Block, Baisley, you have to make tough decisions now. You have all these picks. You have three coming in next year in, a, in another really good draft class. You're going to have to make tough decisions, and there's going to be, have to be players that you love get dealt uh, and, and players that you want to see in the future get dealt. And I think another player who can be a sweetener, of course, not a prize, not somebody that you put a, a trade package around, but another player that's going to be a sweetener in a deal to kind of get you over the hump could be Isaiah Roby. If he plays, if he plays well again this year, JRE makes him very expendable. I think that you can see Roby on the move again in his career after this season or kind of at the trade deadline area in this season. It'll be so fun to watch. But yeah, I'm with you. Two true untouchables, Shea and Poku. Giddy, you don't want to move. And Dort, you don't want to move. But everybody else, uh, you know, you can you can get by with throwing them into a package if it makes you uh, better. Of course, you're never going to trade somebody to make you worse. So that doesn't really need to be said. But I'm with you. We'll see if anybody can leap in that category if you had to pick somebody right now, if I tell you somebody leaps into that untouchable category, who will it be? Man, I mean, the closest one, technically Giddy, 
but that seems like such a cheap answer. I'm, I'm not going to do him just for this sake. I really don't know if there's anyone. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think – I think it's it's Giddy or nobody. So you, you don't think that Dort could take a huge scoring leap and become a great two-way player to where you just, you just have to keep him forever? I just don't think it's realistic. That's interesting. I think that he'll – get better shooting the ball again because hopefully this year everyone stays healthy and he'll be back into that uh, shooting off the dribble role and not shooting at the top of the key. I should say he's going to be away from that shooting off the dribble, dribble role, shoot more in the corners, not shooting at the top of the key at the break of the three-point line and doing too much for his for his game. He'll, he'll be able to shoot more in the corners and where he can knock shots down at a more efficient clip and he'll get somewhat better, but you're right. Uh, unless he becomes just this takeover, uh, true two-way deal, you're looking at Marcus Smart, who you're not going to want to trade. A Marcus Smart kind of, kind of player. You're going to want to extend him as the, as the Celtics did. Uh, but if the Celtics had a good offer, they'd move on from Marcus Smart. He, he, he's not untouchable, uh, but it's just unlikely that he gets traded. So there's a difference between untouchable and unlikely. I think that Dort can be in that unlikely category as he is right now, but not untouchable. And, of course, Giddy's the easy answer because he just got picked. So you're right there. Uh, but skill set-wise, I think that that's true. I think that Giddy, skill set-wise, has the, has the attributes – that can all mesh together and can grow together to become a player who you truly do not want to give up. Can Josh Giddy be an all-star like Poku? Man, I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I think, I think he's going to get close some years, but I don't think he's ever going to be more than a reserve at the best. A reserve on like a, on a team or on the all-star team? Oh, I'm so sorry on, on an all-star team. I don't think he's ever going to be starting or getting near that status where he's like a lock, but he'll, I think he'll be in the mix for a few years if, if everything goes right. Shot through the heart there that your sixth overall pick in year one has no chance of being an all-star. That's tough. It maybe has a Mike Conley career where like every smart person wants him in the all-star game. And then he finally breaks through in like year 15 or, or seven, whatever year uh, Conley's in. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. that will be Josh Giddy's path. Yeah, and he obviously, like I said, no chance to be an all-star this year. I hope that didn't come across as ambiguous. But, <laughs> but I mean, down the road, look, people love triple-doubles. That'll automatically get you into the all-star mix. It got Lance Stevenson in that mix for a while. All right, so Poku's an all-star this year. Giddy maybe in the future. Shea, of course, an all-star this year as well. Thunder get two all-stars on a tanking team. Unheard of, but it's what we just said. We're going to hold them to that. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've already got the audio clipped out. You I've, said Poke will be an all-star. I cannot wait. Uh, I've already been burned by Evan Mobley. and, and I mean, have you been burned star. by Evan Mobley? He did look pretty good in the summer. Well, no, I'm not saying like that. I'm saying by in other ways, by a certain other locked-on Thunder host. Yeah, that he's Kevin Durant? Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he can be Kevin Durant. That one, that one, that one right there. I mean, you're the one that said he's Kevin Durant. I don't want to tell you. I mean, I have the clip. You said I'm going to lose Kevin Durant. We'll see if you're right. You might be. You might be right. Hey, you know what? If I end up right, go ahead. Please shout it from the rooftops, what I said. All right. Until so then, I said nothing. So Evan Mobley is Kevin Durant. Poku's an all-star. Shea's an all-star. I made that one up. He didn't actually say that one, but I'm going I'm to act on that for I mean, you. He will be. He, there's like, I'd be very surprised if he goes his whole career without – making like at least two all-star games. All right. Shea, Poku, Mobley, all-stars. Mobley's Kevin Durant. You heard it here first on Locked on Thunder. That's Richard Stamen. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. A lot of fun talking to you as always. We're going to be back next week. Have a lot of fun talking draft, talking young players, talking Thunder, because Richard 
gives me too much of his time and allows me to take some much needed content from this brilliant basketball mind. So Richard, again, thank you for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at MavsDraft. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Be good, be good to one another.